Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Just Women Talking Shit with your host, Jacqueline Cotton. Jacqueline Cotton. Good morning. Daisy! Hey! How's it going? It's going. Question, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. Fuck yeah. This is a brand new mic. And I'll be honest, I like tried testing it five minutes before we hopped on. I'm like, all right, we'll just wing it. Here we go. That's okay. I'm in a I'm in a brand new office myself and I'm still trying to figure out the lighting. So it's all good. Yeah. Well, I'm currently hiding out in my closet. So we all start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's good to see your face. I love your haircut yeah. and the color. So pretty. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's like the super short thing in the back. You did know. you did you ever like do the long hair thing? Because I've been doing it a minute and I'm like thinking about making the cut, but I don't know. I had beautiful long hair as a kid, like down to my waist. And then I went through the various phases of grade school where I had the mullet perm. And then I don't really remember what my hair looked like in high school, but I do remember after my senior pictures, chopping it all off. It was like a really brave thing to do that, you know, like a young 18 year old girl would chop off all her hair and it looked like shit because nobody back then knew how to give like a stylish feminine haircut, but I did it. And then I kind of evolved into cool, short hair. And I live in Mexico. This is like the longest answer to your question ever. I live in Mexico and people have the most, like the thickest, most gorgeous hair. And babies are born with more hair than I have on my head right now. It's amazing. And so it's challenging for me to get a good cut because my hair texture is so thin compared to what stylists here are used to. And Mexican women have this amazing, gorgeous, long, thick hair that my hair, if I grow it out, it just looks straggling and stringy. So anyway, that's, there you go. Oh man, that was like the best long answer ever. So you're in Mexico. I actually, my husband and I, we never took our honeymoon and like, then COVID happened, and so, and then we had a baby, and so, anyway, I need a freaking break. <laughs> so, like, a few days ago, I was like, cruises are on sale, homie. You ready to get out? <laughs> we're, we're plotting our escape, but we're going to, uh, like, on a cruise to Mexico, so it's so funny if that, anyway, it's like. Where are you going? Um. So, where are we going? Cozumel in the Yucatan, I believe. So, yep, I mean, yep, yep. Anyway, I'm so freaking excited. Like. And and is the kiddo staying with a grandma or grandpa? With uh, my brother, so uncle. And Excellent. Yes. I was like, look, I will pay you to get, like, I will pay you, <laughs> please. Like, I'll give you room and board. Because he's, I mean, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a few years younger than me. So it's like a little vacation for him. But even at 26, I'm like, look, I value your time. And I value my sanity. So like, let's do this. So yeah, in January, oh. we're headed out and I'm really excited. 
Good for you. Good for yeah. you. It's nice to take a break and do something for yourself. Good for you. I'm so damn excited. But where where are you from and how long have you been in Mexico? What even took you there? I am originally from Western Kansas. And I grew up in a place that I never liked. And when I was 14, I put my head down and I was like, okay, Stacy, four more years, you can get out of here. Um, and I studied abroad in Spain and I always knew that I wanted to travel and do things that were different than what was around me. So I studied abroad in Spain, backpacked to Europe, went to the Peace Corps and, um, I've lived in Africa, Europe, Southeast Asia. I came to Mexico seven and a half years ago on a quote unquote three month sabbatical because I was tired of working in post-conflict environments and, you know, look at me, privilege that I can leave that situation and take a break, right? And so I came here to visit a friend of mine, a 20, like a 20, a friend of mine for 20, like 20 year friendship. We went to school together. I said, I'm going to come to visit you. And I loved it so much. I stayed. And so then it was like, well, shit, I got to make a living. What am I going to do? So, you know, I got the proverbial PhD in online business and um, seven and a half years later, here we are. Badass. So then what is it you exactly do? Because like I read your notes, but I'd love to hear it from you and like what your mission is here, uh, what your crusade is. I want to hear all the things. I started out, well, my very first job online was event planning for a 500 person event where Barack Obama was going to be the keynote speaker. I didn't have a freaking clue what I was doing. I had never worked online before because I was living in Southeast Asia with dial-up internet. And I had never planned an event before. And I was like, sure, I can do this. And I didn't get the job, but the people that did get the job quit because it was so, like, it was insane. And they quit. And so they hired me and someone else. And we had to do this entire thing in six weeks. And it was exhausting and it was exhilarating and it was all kinds of like, it's all kinds of things. I was so freaking tired. I slept on the entire flight, 15 hour flight from like LA to Southeast Asia and never woke up once. I was so freaking tired after this thing. And so then I got, you know, that happened. It was exciting. And I was like, okay, that's a short term gig. What do I do now? You know? And I did what a lot of people do, which is they start out as a virtual assistant. And I did the virtual assistant thing. And even as even in that role, I was a strategic partner in my clients' business because that's just how my brain works. And I can't, if I see something's wrong, I'm not just going to be like, okay, let me do this task, even though this thing isn't going to work. <laughs> and so, and so... Um, I was very strategic, even when I was like charging a ridiculous, imagine $10 an hour. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I just started, you know, I binged every podcast. I read the books. I did all the things right to learn. 
Um, and that was exciting, but who I was learning from were people that I felt jealous of, but I also didn't like connect with. These were women who were like white women, hair blowing in the, you know, in the wind in all their photos, living this life of luxury, presenting only the good things online. Um, but I thought I had to be like them. And at the same time, I'm learning more about business and understanding that I could move, move into online business management strategy, use those innate skills that I have. Right. And then when the 2016 election happened, it forced me in a good way to really draw a line in the sand of the type of person I wanted to work with. Um, because before I was working with anyone, because, you know, I was in that position where I was afraid to say no, because what if that next client didn't come, you know? And so I was working with people who I didn't connect with and on a values on a, on a values level, I was working for people that I would never be friends with in real life. And then in 2016, I just drew a line in the sand. And I said, I want to be working for women who value themselves, value people who are different than they are, and want to make a positive change in the world. And that led me to getting certified as a director of operations and making it very, very clear that I wanted to work with feminist entrepreneurs who believe that women are equal people in this world. <laughs> and they are people who may want to run for office who want to donate a percentage of their law of their launch launch revenue to causes that they care about. And so for me, it's become this idea of smashing the patriarchy one deadline at a time. It's not about long to long to-do lists anymore. It's about getting very strategic about what is going to move our businesses forward so that we can create positive change in the world, earn what we deserve to be earning, and taking business free vacations and not working our asses off in this whole hustle culture that's presented to us all the time. Ooh, I like it. You can't see it. I have the chill bumps. Shit. <laughs> oh, man. So what a wild ride. Like, I did not expect the whole, I mean, your first gig. What? That's like insane. Yeah. And some, you're obviously one of those people that consistently and constantly pour into yourself and learning and reading and all the things, I'm sure. Um, I'm an avid, like Audible is my Bible. <laughs> I love, love, okay. love it. Um, but anyway. So in my personal development journey, like I'm learning so much and I've learned so much. And that little instance with the whole event planning, like I want listeners to kind of, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, 
but think about that scary ass like opportunity coming your way. Some I, I say this because I have listeners and I have family members who have this scarcity mindset and like are presented with opportunities every single day and are just because it's scary and challenging and overwhelming. You're like, they would rather say no than do something scary. And I just want, I guess, people to take her little story, not little story, but this instance that she just talked about and think about like, what would you have done? Because some people would have ran the other way, you know, but I see it like a dragon, like I'm ready to slay, you know, like type thing. Um, And so Oh, I just like, I don't know. I got the goosebumps thinking about it because we're presented with opportunities every freaking day. And I think so many of us are turning down the opportunities maybe because there's like this blueprint, you know, I'm sure that you thought your life would turn out completely different than it has. And when things don't align with the blueprint, um, it could like reset the whole trajectory of our lives. And I'm curious what would have happened had you not taken that, that risk and that chance. And planning that event because like when you said that I was like my anxiety crept in I'm like that sounds like a lot of work not to mention like the people you had to impress it seems very overwhelming and look at you now like your life I think probably unfolded a lot different than maybe you thought it would years ago you know yeah I think that's a I think that's a no it makes perfect sense and I what I would say to that is I what has been really what has become really important important to me is saying no to the right things and saying yes to the right things and so if it is it within my skill set my interest i 100% like i love that like slay the dragon right if it if it's a values match like go for it. If it, I was presented with an opportunity about six weeks ago, good money. And I was like, I don't see myself doing this. And I referred them out to somebody else and ended up getting two clients that were, that replaced that one project within the same week. And both of those clients were values match, skill set, everything that I say, everything that I do. Because what this opportunity was is something that I used to do but don't want to, but don't love doing anymore. But I was like, I still get that in my oh, I should take it because you know it's a it's good money, right? I should take it. And then I said no, because I was imagining myself staying up late, being it being anxiety producing, hating every minute of it. And so I said no. And then two opportunities came my way that were hard yeses. So I think for me, it's about saying no when it's not a values match and saying yes when it when it is, even if it seems overwhelming and hard and scary. Yeah. So would you agree with the statement? If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yes. hundred percent. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. 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 hundred <laughs> percent. And it's like, you know, it's a hell no, you know, in those Facebook groups where people are like, so I have this opportunity. 
but I'm not really sure. And the person seems absolutely crazy. And like, I sent the contract and she rewrote it and wants me to sign it, you know? And that's like, you just know it's a hell no. And like, they know it too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, if it's not a hell yes, yeah. it's a hell no for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Because it, it's like, a, I think we've been conditioned. No, I don't think, I know I was conditioned. Um, and you, when you were talking about like, you know, where you're from and wanting to get out. That was me too. So I live in Mississippi and I don't think anybody really, okay, this is my mindset. And it's obviously different than other people because they're living proof that they wanted to stay here. But I never, I guess, envisioned myself, you know, staying in Mississippi my whole life, at, like learning in school about all these places and learning history and like seeing, you know, the geography of the world and there are hills and mountains other places not just like cows and farmland what um I never wanted to settle down here ironically enough I am back here but um I always had that that inkling of wanting to like get out and so now as an adult Mm -hmm. that's why I was like you know fuck it we're going on a cruise I know it's only like five days and we're technically still like I mean we're on a boat and we get to get off for a day or two but it's all coming back full circle. And I'm like, I'm ready to get out. Let's get out. But we were conditioned. I was conditioned to be a fucking people pleaser. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you were talking about, you know, taking jobs that don't speak to you, I remember that too. And I still like, will have those moments where somebody will present me with work and they're like, okay, so if you can write this many words and do this and like, I do 1099 work, a lot of contract work. And They'll come to me with stories to write for a magazine. And I'm like, but I don't I don't want to. And I remember doing it. And the entire time, like my husband was like, you can't take these kind of projects again because you're just not mm-hmm. yourself. You're overwhelmed and not in a good way, not like the exciting way. Um, but it took me such a long time to realize that there is that clear boundary. And I think sometimes for anybody listening, you may not know your boundary until somebody crosses it and then I think it's really important that you take note right then like make mental note I don't like the way this feels and just value that because we're taught to a lot of us are taught to and I don't know if it's a southern thing or living in the bible belt and thinking that you know Jesus biscuits and gravy can solve all things but (laughs) okay but like we got to start listening to ourselves and so maybe this is their sign to like trust the intuition, trust your gut. Um, I've I've learned that it was not like a full body yes. Like like I'm just excited, I'm nervous, but like that's that's okay. If it's not a full body yes, it's I don't need it. I don't need it in my life. And I love how you pointed out that when you let that go, when you release that opportunity, it came back double. Like what? Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. cool how it's really cool how things work out when you just trust yourself. I have. When, as part of my strategic planning process with my clients, I have a bonus that's called boundaries don't make you a bitch. They make you a boss. Because what we run up against is the reason that clients come to me with for strategic planning is because they have 
a thousand different ideas, 500 sticky notes, some ideas on their wall. And it's like, okay, how do we process and figure out what's important? But after we figure out what's important, the challenge is, well, how do I manage my time? Like I'm already doing all these things over here. How do I add in these money-making business mover projects? And I'm the first person to say, I'm not the best time manager. I don't time block, but I have really hardcore boundaries. And like, it's like, it's 8 a.m. my time. This is an exception to my rule. Normally I am walking the dogs at this time, but I get to choose that I'm breaking my boundary right now. And I'm going to walk the dogs afterwards. My calendar is not open willy-nilly for anybody to schedule in at any single time because I'm afraid that if our calendars don't match up, they're not going to get on the call with me and I'm going to lose money. Like those days are gone. Like I'm going to take calls at this time and this time and that's it, right? And so that for me is goes back to the hell yes, hell no, setting boundaries so that we get to... I mean, what's the purpose of just people pleasing our way through life and business, right? Yeah, it just creates absolute resentment. And I mean, because I was, I mean, I told you, such a people pleaser. I didn't know that that was a condition of mine until like I'm getting in relationships and Mm -hmm. like completely unhappy, (laughs) so unhappy. I haven't really found true authentic unapologetic happiness until my 30s and I'm only I'm 33 going on 34 but I met my husband I guess 20 was that 29 or 30 shit I don't know but a few years ago but like at some point and I think that he had a big part in this because and <laughs> for anybody listening who doesn't know yet I've, I've, we've been completely transparent about like how we met we met on a dating app and he was coming out of a marriage like he was divorced I was divorced and it was only I mean I knew what I wanted and I didn't want anything serious but we wound up just becoming best friends and I'll never forget like as we started falling in love him looking at me one day and just we had told each other we loved each other and he said I just I said what do you love about me okay because like I went into this with no expectations and was completely myself because I'm like Maybe if I'm myself, he won't stick around, you know. And I, knew, I was I was discovering who I was as a 30-year-old woman, you know. And but he looked at me one day and he said, I love that you are unapologetically you. Mm. I said, Oh shit, nobody said that to me before. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, we're married, have a baby, uh, a total of five kids combined with our previous relationships. Um and I just love that, like, you are going out there and unapologetically sharing your own mission and crusade because it's a, you're a permission slip for so many other women out there. Men, too. I think men are people pleasers as well. But, um, like, what? yeah, what is the point? What is the point in making other people happy if you're going to bed at night like, I fucking hate my life? Like, what's what's the point in that? I think we're supposed to be truly. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that you're like, I'm going to be unapologetically myself so I can chase this man away. And then, 
<laughs> right? And then he's like, let me tell you, I think uniquely you is the best thing I've ever met. Let's get married. And you're just like, oh, wait, hold what? on. This is, this is actually great, right? Yeah, it honestly, it creates a magnetism. When people think about people you look up to or people that, you know, you're attracted to. And I don't mean like in a necessarily romantic way, but for me, when it comes to mentors, authors, like online personalities in general or people in real life, you know, I like the person who's confident, like who has to fit me into their schedule because I'm like, oh, shit, what do they have figured out? You know, there's magnetism Mm -hmm. that comes with it because I was what is that Oscar Wilde quote? Be yourself, everyone else is taken or something like that. Something like that. Yes. Something like that. But it's so true. It's so true. I had my first moment yesterday, Stacey. Um, it's so funny that we're on this call and I get to tell you this because I haven't told anybody else. All right. Little Bodunk, Mississippi town. Okay. I started this podcast um, last summer. As a way of, it was still like COVID, you know, people are still like, like being all shady, like we're neighbors, but we can't be neighbors type thing because you could have COVID. Mm-hmm. And like for my mental health, I was like, I've got to be able to talk to people. I don't know who I'm going to talk to. I just threw an ad up. I was like, I'm just, just some women. Y'all want to talk some shit. And that's how this podcast started. But I had a moment yesterday and it made me realize, because I've been on like a, uh, about a month long break. I haven't taken any interviews to the first one in, a, in a, like a couple months, probably. And it was like the universe coming, like poking me on the shoulder yesterday. But I was in the middle of Dollar General, okay. And I had my daughter behind me. We're like looking for, we're looking for popcorn. Can't find it in popcorn. Dollar General's out of popcorn on 468 and Brandon, by the way. Um, but this woman does like a, not a double, but like a triple take as she's putting something back on the, the mm. shelf. And she finally turns around. You could tell like she wanted to say something. She goes, she does this little whip around. Prettiest little thing. Um, what was her name? Oh my gosh. I'll remember her name in a minute. But she said, I'm sorry. She goes, but you have a podcast? I said, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. What'd you say? And she goes, no, do you have, a, like, she goes, I think I listened to your podcast. I said, just women talking shit. She goes, yeah. Oh, my God, what was her name? That's going to drive me crazy. But it just, like, it touched me. I'm like, oh, my God, when you think you're not making a difference, when you think that maybe mm-hmm. people aren't listening, they totally are. And it makes me think of, like, the whole consistency of things. Um, have you read that? How big is the town you live in? I don't really know, but it feels small. I don't know how many people. And how interesting that this person, like, I think what's really interesting for me is that I think about, like, online, like the people that I'm talking with. Like, right now, I'm in Mexico. You're in Mississippi. My clients are all over the world, right? I never think about somebody, like, right next door to me listening to my podcast or checking out my website or something. You know? That's so interesting. Yeah, I thought the same exact thing. I'm like over here. What is the size of Brandon, Mississippi? Okay. Population, about 25,000 people. That's, that's oh my gosh. That's, that's a, that's, <laughs> I grew up in a town of 1,200 people. If you would have put me in a town of 25,000 people, I would have 
I would have probably thought that was New York City back in the day. Are you kidding right. me? Oh my goodness. Great. Goodness. Either way, it's still like it's sure. The thing is I gotcha. The thing, well, I grew up in a little Dixie, Mississippi. So this is like this is big for me too. Um, but it was just the fact that like I don't go out there and advertise it a lot. Um, especially with, and I've gotten better about this, but it kind of just has become one of those things that I'm chipping away at, like in the background, just curious to see how it grows, but I don't get on like my personal Facebook and promote it very much or anything like Mm -hmm. that. And so, and I have no idea who this person was. I've never seen her in my life. And it was just really cool that she recognized me. Um, but anyway, enough about me. So that is cool. Just like out of, it was weird. But it was validating too. And it just kind of was a reminder that I'm glad um, I get to talk to people like you. Like there have been so many cool women on this, on this show. It's like incredible. So many cool women. And so it's so cool to hear your story too. Um, Carly introduced us, right? Yes. I was going to ask you, how do you know Carly? I was going to ask you, how do you know Carly? I love, I I mean, I could go on and on and on about I love her to death. Yeah, she is like the sweetest soul, the sweetest soul. And so, I mean, she's just so witty. She is so funny, um, but just so smart, intelligent, too. Uh, But no, so Carly and I met through, uh, we both were in a business um, mentorship together. It was 12 Mm -hmm. weeks, and then we did another 12 weeks together. But we were just, oh. we were in like this little mastermind together and I learned about her business. She, uh, she, girl, she saw me through some moments because I was like having a complete identity crisis and she was there supporting me the entire way, just giving me ideas and like helping me bring out that unapologeticness. Because when I first met Carly and the entire group of women that were in that cohort, I was like, I knew I was flirting with the idea of really being me, like just no fucks given type mm-hmm. thing. But I still was very reserved, like, well, what are they going to think? You know, like, what are they going to say if I start being myself? And so that's how I met her, um, watched her little business grow, watched her gain some confidence. Um, mm-hmm. And we've just stayed in touch ever since. She's one of those people mm-hmm. that you can just keep in touch with, pick up where mm-hmm. you left off, you know? Yes, she is a genuine person. I just, yeah, yeah. I do. I do remember now that she said you were you two were in a mastermind together. Yeah, it was awesome, 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 awesome. Um, so, do you guys work together? Yeah, I mean, I met Carly probably three years ago through another client. We went through an entire interview process looking for a marketing coordinator, and we brought her on, and. I have also seen her grow and we've grown together in our working relationship and our friendship. And she, um, she now works in my business as my, as my marketing coordinator. And she, we just had a conversation yesterday about her role growing in the business. And it's just, I could not have, I could not do what I do without her. So she manages all of my podcast pitching. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about how to start a podcast. 
but people that are not talking about how to pitch yourself to podcasts and the amount of work it takes. It's not hard intellectual work, like, but it is a lot of steps to find people like Carly introduced us. So this is an exception to the rule, but to search out people who are a values match, which is incredibly important to us to listen to their podcast, to see if we want to be on their podcast, to craft a pitch, to follow up, to be on the, you know, to be on the show, to then promote the show. She does 99% of the work and I get to show up. Um, And our project management tool of choice is ClickUp. And I'm a vetted ClickUp consultant. And she has learned so much that she's like a freaking whiz at what she does. And so I can now trust her to build out systems and processes and things like that. So it's really exciting. I had a call yesterday and I'm like, okay, what do you still want to be doing? And what would you like to outsource? And so we're talking about bringing a third person onto the business so that she can further step into her zone. And we can also support someone in like a virtual assistant position who may be new to this world, who um, wants to truly step into that assistant role where they want to learn, need to learn, um, and go from there. That sounds awesome. So... Uh, before we wrap it up, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I'm looking at our notes and you said that you'd like to talk about the who, what, where, when, and why of strategic planning. And I need, I'm going to be honest, I'm being a little uh, selfish here. I need to hear the answer to this because like I live in my calendar, but I, I still struggle with this. And so I think it'd be really beneficial for our audience as well. Strategic planning is a very boring corporate term for the process of creating clarity, direction, and a plan for your business. And it is for people who have a lot of ideas and some FOMO, a lot of like started projects that are not finished. Um, I kind of feel like they're spinning their wheels. Even if they are making progress, they're spinning their wheels. Um, this happens with a lot of visionaries and creatives because that's who visionaries and creatives are. Like businesses exist because of creative people who have an idea and I'm not a visionary. I'm not a creative, but if you tell me your idea, I can make all thousand pieces happen. When you think there are probably five steps, I'm going to be like, they're actually about 500 and this is what we need to do. Right. And so, you know, the person who has sticky notes and notes on their phone and unfinished projects, we go through a process where we create the unbreakable foundations of your business, which are your mission, your vision, your values, your revenue goals, and your diversity, equality, and inclusion statement. Your mission is your purpose. It's why you get out of bed every morning. It's why you push forward when you want to burn it all down. It's not so much about the services that you offer. It's about the reason that you do it. So my entire vision is to smash the patriarchy. We can do that through a million different ways. I choose to do that through operations and 
by supporting feminist entrepreneurs who want to make a difference in the world. They get to be in their zone. I get to do all, all, the, all the other things. Most people didn't start a business to do 99% of things that are required to have a business. You started a business for that one person of things that you love, right? We also look at vision and revenue goals, which are incredibly important to me. Most people pull revenue goals out of their ass. And I ask people, what are your good, better, best revenue goals? And they'll tell me, and I'm like, where'd they, where'd these come from? And they're like, ah, I don't know. And so then that takes us back to their vision and how is their business going to support their lifestyle? Okay, great. You want to go on a cruise? How much money do you need to earn to go on the cruise and pay the baby brother to watch the kids, <laughs> right? You want to take the kids to Disneyland? You want to do whatever? You want to take a month off? We need to factor these things in. And if people come from a corporate world, it's usually what they think. They think of a vision as like a two-sentence statement that you see on a website. But what I'm doing is saying, hey, guess what? You are the CEO of the business now. What is your vision? Because I guarantee you that every two-sentence statement that you see on a corporate website, there is a CEO who has a huge ash vision for themselves and how that business supports their lifestyle. And so that's what I dig into is how is this business supporting your lifestyle? What do you want to do? If you want a housekeeper, how much does the housekeeper cost? We need to factor that into the revenue goals. So you can have these things, right? Core values, your DEI state, statement, these base, you know, your beliefs. And these are super important for when you're like, Carly and I can disagree and she can say, Stacey, that's not going to work because we have, we respect each other as human beings and we have a similar value set and we both understand the, the, the mission of the business we understand the values of the business. And when we have a conflict, it's like easy to resolve because we're both on the same page. We create these unbreakable foundations and then we put the pillars in place. And so your pillars are your money and finance, your legal, your service and sales, operational efficiencies, team and human capital, professional development in a way that actually develops you and doesn't make you feel like shit and that you need to learn more just for the sake of learning, right? Like real professional development um, and client services. I might've forgotten one. We take everything in every bucket and put your ideas in there. Like if anything you've ever thought about, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do this. I'm currently doing this, but I'd like to you know, change it. And then we say, okay, based on your vision, based on your revenue goals, we cannot focus on all nine areas of the business equally. What do we need to focus on? Like what area of the business needs to have priority? Doesn't mean like we ditch the others. It just means in any given moment, a quarter, for example, or a month, this specific month is going to have the focus on this. And so it moves from that to putting the projects into quarters and then the start date that we're going to start that project. And then people walk away with 
this agile document that has their quarter projects and the month that they're going to focus on. The reason I put it in a movable agile doc is because that is not going to be 100% accurate when we start, when, when, when we get going. A plan is better than no plan, but something that you say is going to take two months may actually take three. So guess what? One of those projects needs to be bumped down, right? Or somebody on your team has an amazing idea or an opportunity comes up and you assess that and say, okay, is this important? If it's not, it stays in the parking lot. If it is, something that you thought you were going to do also has to shift down to make room for that idea or that opportunity. And so then you have this workable document that gives your team clarity, direction, and plan and lets everybody know what we're doing, when we're doing it, and who's responsible for it and understands why these projects are important to the business. That's a lot. (laughs) And it sounds like something that like I wouldn't even want to deal with. So it makes sense how invaluable um, your services are. So can you tell everybody where to find you to work with you and just any other relevant places that you'd like to mention or any, anything upcoming, anything in Stacy's world we need to know about? You can find me at stacyhoschild.com. I have a pretty non-existent social following or social presence because that's really not my thing. Um, so you can find me on my website at stacyhoschild.com. Well, that was simple. <laughs> that yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's it. I love that, though, that you're not so many people and myself included uh, rely on social media for business. and so. Um, you you don't necessarily need that. It sounds like, sounds like you're staying busy, huh? Well, I do have the benefit of being affiliated with a very large project management company, which is ClickUp. And I don't do the traditional ClickUp setups where people will say, I have all these tasks. I want them organized. What I do is I use ClickUp for strategic planning and online business management. So I'm very fortunate to have that. But if you talk to me in six months, chances are I'm going to be active on some some social platforms because that's in my own plan. And I think it's in my own plan in a time that feels right because I got a lot to say these days that I didn't feel confident saying before and bringing my personal values and what I believe in into the business and helping the people that I want to work with understand and educate them about how I can help them create this positive change in the world through my services. Whereas before, I was probably afraid to rock the boat and say something that somebody wasn't going to like. And now I'm just like, it's going to happen anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, well, when you get to that point, I better be one of the first people to know so I can come. And I already followed you on Instagram this morning. So okay. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, I'm like between, I'm trying to figure out, I like Instagram. I started Instagram completely over. Um, 
but now as because I'm into marketing and business consulting, that's my my mm-hmm. bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But I'm figuring out the TikTok, and it is interesting. It's very interesting so far. I enjoy it, but we're gonna see what happens there. Um, but uh, I will kindly follow back on Instagram. Are you someone who is going? Will be a TikTok dancer, or will you be using TikTok for other things? <laughs> other things. I mean. If I dance, it's purely making fun of myself because I think mm-hmm. it's, I'm not one of those people that take it seriously at all. But um, I do a lot of user generated content type stuff. And so um, there'll be a lot of that. But also, like you said, you know, there's lots to be said, lots to be heard. So mine is very like there's no niche whenever it comes to, I think, either of my accounts. Um <laughs> but if I'm dancing, it's it's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good. Well, um, and that's why I was so against TikTok. I was like, I'm not getting on TikTok. And Carly, who was uh-huh. mentioned, um, she was like, you don't have to dance on TikTok. Yeah, there are people giving, you know, mini classes and yeah. little, you know, short videos of education. And I was like, oh, I'm yeah. a former teacher. Like, I'm a former teacher. I can do that. You know, yeah. but I thought that I was going to have to oh, no. dance and do a bunch of things. Like, you're never going to see me on an Instagram reel pointing to anything. Oh. <laughs> like, that's just not who I am, you know? Yeah. And so I'm glad I don't have to dance you can't either. Dance. No, the accounts that I value the most are just people sharing, like, wisdom. And mm-hmm. like little tips and quick wins and teaching me how to do stuff. Like a lot of people go to TikTok now to learn stuff, like learn stuff. Like you can type in, I mean, you know, the OBM or something like that, or like um, user generated content, learn how to create that or get in on that. Um, I did one of my videos where how to start a podcast, because I know so many people are wondering how to start a podcast. So I go mm-hmm. there and I teach a lot um, every once in a while. Throw in a, a new move I learned. But <laughs> what do you think is pulling people into TikTok? Because for me, now you know I'm not a marketing person. What what does TikTok offer that YouTube doesn't? Uh, I think people go to TikTok for shorter content. People are so instant gratification, um, and I think that they go there for like the really quick wins, the quick information stuff like that. Um, Versus YouTube, it attracts, it is the longer, like the longer lessons where they kind of drag it out type thing. Um, And so I think that people Mm -hmm. are really interested in just being able to go search a hashtag and like find it quickly. Um, Then I think that because of the way it's set up with their algorithm and the longevity of the videos, like the length of them, that it's just easy to digest more because it's just you swipe type thing. Um, mm-hmm. versus you have to, and people are so lazy whenever it comes to stuff like this, but being able to swipe and just go like video after video versus, and maybe YouTube has done something different. I don't know about yet, but I know whenever I'm on my phone, like it'll show suggested ones and then I got to click it and then I got to sit and wait for an ad and TikTok is mm-hmm. very just once they're there, they can, I mean, it's just one video after another. And I think that draws people in it's setting off some dopamine or something. So but I think it's, but you know what's interesting? Oh, go ahead. Fix. I was just gonna say, I think it's just the quick fix of it. 
You know, what's interesting about that is it almost seems like I am like what you're saying. I appreciate that from a, from a, like a user's perspective, but it also sounds less scary from a content creator's perspective that you don't have to create a 10 minute video or, you know, like getting started and trying to figure out what to say and editing the videos and doing all this stuff is overwhelming. And so it sounds like it could be a cool place to start like a low bar to entry barrier to entry, whatever the, whatever the phrase is. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to mess around with. And it's almost like the research I've done, um, the videos that seem to do the best are the ones that are not overproduced that are just, Mm -hmm. I mean, quick cuts, um, slapping some text on, like, I used to think that it had to be perfect. Like, you know, your text needs to be, like, not on your face. And now I see people, like, with that's how you get their attention. They just throw mm-hmm. text all over the place. And it's kind of messy. It's, like, organized mm-hmm. chaos. But it's a lot of fun so far. It's a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying it. Um, but when you get when you get on the thing. I'm intrigued. Let me know. Uh, Carly knows a lot about it. I know that she and I were, like, trying to learn about it when we were in that uh, mastermind. And she had just started out. And she's the one that told me, she was like, girl, you got to get on there, share, like just share some marketing tips. Like we don't have to dance. Did anybody tell you we don't have to dance? (laughs) Yeah. She told me the same thing. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I trust Carly. So I was like, all right, all right. I see you. you." Okay. Okay. But it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Like it's, it's been amazing. You have such a good goodness about you like such a good aura and energy and all the things I've enjoyed this thank you for having me on the show I've I'm I'm happy we finally got to meet and yeah I I I echo what one of your podcast reviews said which is it's so nice that Jacqueline provides a format for women just to talk and be vulnerable and you know there's no pretense you know, about it. And I think we need more of that in the online space. So, you know, thank you for your, thanks for having me on. And also for, um, I, I love listening to it and hearing stories of other women. So thanks for, thank you for providing this format for all oh, of us. Oh, shit. You gave me the goosebumps again. And goosebumps are good in my world. Like, <laughs> it feels like, like God's little whisper, like, you're, t- you're doing a good job, my child. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they, there you go. Oh, thank you. I didn't know people read the reviews uh, until yesterday. I didn't really realize people listened <laughs> until she stalked me in Dollar General. Um, but it's it's my honor. Again, this is a lot. Like it started out for me to five kids at home being stuck in lockdown with your significant other. I need somebody else to talk to who got it. And I've found the best, like the best women with the best stories. And it's it's honestly a freaking honor. It's like to be able to facilitate it. It's like, what did I do to deserve this? I don't know. Oh, that's so but, sweet. Yes. So thank you again. It was so wonderful. Um, everybody go find her at, how do you say your last name again? Hosschild. Stacy Hosschild. Hosschild. Yeah, I would have messed mm-hmm. it up. StacyHosschild.com. Thank you for letting me talk shit with you on Just Women Talking Shit. It's been all good. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye.